Welcome to Inside the Kentucky Derby, where we give you a glimpse of our daily lives. I'm Kevin Kirstein, joined alongside by my partner in crime, Darren Rogers. And we figure we talk the Kentucky Derby year-round down here in the Churchill Downs Communications Office. And this is going to give you a glimpse into our daily lives, talking derby all the time. Inside the Kentucky Derby, of of course, is supported by Woodford Reserve, the presenting sponsor of the Kentucky Derby and the road to the Kentucky Derby. With over 200 flavor notes in every sip, Woodford Reserve is a spectacle for the senses. And always please enjoy responsibly. Darren, I love some Woodford. I wish I had some right here, right now, talking the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, it uh, Woodford is uh, my personal favorite. Always makes the handicapping a little more clear. Yeah, and I think we're going to need a little bit of Woodford to uh, clear up the handicapping, talking for this year's Breeders' Cup Juvenile, which, of course, is the most major race on the road to the Kentucky Derby at this stage where eligible horses can win, uh, earn up to 30 points this year uh, in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. It's a heck of a field for Future Stars Friday at the Breeders' Cup. Very deep and contentious race. And um, I, I feel like, you know, we we talk the Breeders' Cup Juvenile year in and year out of, you know, deciding two-year-old champion honors. But I feel like in the last couple of years, it really hasn't translated to the top three-year-olds. But I see some well-developing potential three-year-olds that are in this year's field. You do. Uh, you know, you're 26 weeks out of Kentucky Derby 149. So Breeders' Cup Juvenile has always run six months to the day of the uh, Kentucky Derby. Uh, we have a outstanding uh, group of, you know, you have to keep in mind the two-year-olds, they're a little more precocious, right? They're, they've debuted uh, early on. They've developed quicker than others. Uh, this is a outstanding cast. I mean, it's it's led by Cave Rock, and we'd be remiss, uh, you know, to to say Cave Rock, of course, trained by Bob Baffert, who is currently suspended by Churchill Downs Incorporated for the medication violation uh, stemming from the 2021 Kentucky Derby with Medina Spirit. Uh, just as was the case last year, any horse uh, condition by a suspended trainer is ineligible to accrue points on the road to the Derby. So if, if, you know, the points in this year's Breeders' Cup Juvenile have been elevated, it's almost a scholarship to the win. Uh, the points are now worth 30 points uh, to the victor, uh, with the runner-up getting 12, third gets nine points, uh, fourth gets six, and then the fifth-place finisher, we're now awarding down to fifth, they'll get three points. So this will establish us a, a good leaderboard going into the wintertime. Uh, we'll know who the horses are to beat. And um, I'm really looking forward to this year's Breeders' Cup Juvenile. And we usually use the 30 to 40 points, right, on average to make the derby field to be comfortably into the derby field. So say it's an eligible horse that gets 30 points. You know, you're going to be on the bubble if you don't have any previous you know, points from running in the Iroquois, the Breeders' Futurity, the Champagne, which were run prior to this, and the American Pharaoh, which didn't award any points. So, um, you know, you probably still have to run okay as a three-year-old next year to be solidly in the field. Yeah, I mean, there's a, this is a, uh, again, we're six months out from the Derby. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if a fifth-place finisher uh, continued to progress 
and develop as a as a three year old. I mean, that's the thing. These are four legged animals that are young athletes in their careers. They're going to mentally get better. They're going to physically get better. Um, some of them have peaked. I mean, I've always said it's, um, you know, when you're handicapping, sometimes it's as simple as trying to find the fastest kid on the playground. And, you know, at some point in time in our lives, the grade school kids that dominated, um, they stopped growing. Dennis's moment, for example. That, that's a great example from yeah. a couple of years ago. They stopped growing. And then the others all catch up. Um, and then in high school, you know, the kid that dominated in grade school might just be an average Joe. So it's, it's a very intriguing road. The the key for us is, is handicappers and, and, and lovers of, of horse racing. Uh, let's try to find those. Let's try to find those along the way. Who are the diamonds in the rough? And, you know, right now we've, we've done something a little different this year with the opening of an early Kentucky Derby future wager. Yeah, and that was quite the task, I think, to put together the field for the Kentucky Derby Future Wager at this stage. And, you know, us being a part of the committee, we always were looking at different resources, especially when horses are in their three-year-old campaigns of, you know, what action is Vegas offering, for instance? What are they offering overseas? There really isn't any at this stage. And so, you know, we have to assume, again, you know, horses conditioned by a trainer suspended by CDI aren't planning toward the Derby. So, you know, all the Bob Baffert trainees, for example, that are taking action in Vegas, they're part of the all others on this first future wager, which probably is going to close, you know, one to five, two to five. Easily. And as it should this time of year. Right. And and so all of the other 38 individual horses, while they, you know, are talented runners at this stage, it's trying to figure out which one of them can maybe progress into next year. And we saw a couple on, you know, on the Stars of Tomorrow on Sunday. We did. That, that we were last minute ads into the pool and uh, trying to figure out, you know, can these horses now move forward into next year and offer a little bit of value in pool one, which will probably, they're going to be over a hundred to one. Absolutely. They're going to be big prices. You know, the one thing, the observation that I've noticed, you know, we've now done the Kentucky Derby point system for about a decade now. What uh, the 2013 Derby with orb was the first year that we instituted it. I've noticed that about half the field of the 20 come Derby day are the 20 or are about say a dozen, mm-hmm. 10, 10 horses, half that field were the leaders at the end of the two-year-old season. Mm-hmm. So the top horses right now, the cave rocks, uh, the Fortes, I mean, these are horses I would fully expect to move on, uh, barring injury to get into the Kentucky Derby. They're, they show that type of talent. I just remember it, you know, it wasn't even at this stage last year, a, a wrist strike, you know, beside himself because, you know, he was who he was winning at 81 to one, but epicenter in early December was 150 to one in Vegas. So, and he ended up being the Kentucky Derby favorite. And so, you know, at this stage, there was really no epicenter at this point last year. Well, you notice we don't have any unraced horses in this pool one of the future wager. And, and I don't think there, that there, there, there are plenty to be unveiled and, and uncorked uh, between now and the end of the year. Uh, especially I would say stars of tomorrow too at Churchill downs, which will be on Saturday, November the 26th. That day in particular is always, 
always much stronger than Stars of Tomorrow was. Yeah, and these Stars of Tomorrow programs that were instituted at Churchill Downs back in the early 2000s, they produced 50-plus grade one winners, Kentucky Derby winners, Mandaloon, Super Saver, Rachel Alexandra, Gunrunner. All of those horses have run on those Stars of Tomorrow programs. And you're right, that Stars of Tomorrow 2 always leans a bit, you know, stronger than the Stars of Tomorrow 1. And, I, you know, maybe it's just because some of these two-year-olds aren't quite ready yet. Maybe it's some of, you know. Timing. Yeah, a little timing into the winter, right? Yeah, because timing, timing works out beautifully uh, for a lot of the horses, especially those that were chasing to maybe try to get into the Breeders' Cup, running in the first week of October in some of the major stakes races. They don't want to wheel back in four weeks to run in Stars of Tomorrow 1. They'll take the extra time, uh, continue to progress. I mean, the one ho- there's a horse in the Breeders' Cup that I just absolutely love. Who's that right now? Extra Anejo. Yeah. Extra Anejo for, for Steve Asmussen uh, was a sensational uh, debut winner and fast. And this horse looks like he's going to be a serious horse on the trail. And a serious purchase price, too, is what, like $1.3 million, I believe. And uh, I mean, really took action early on in his career. And sometimes you see derby contenders come from anywhere. They can be you know, as a, a small purchase, or they can be $1.3 million, like extra Anejo. And so, you know, you never know what you're going to find, but this horse, I think, from the outset, was deemed to be special. Yeah, as a son of Into Mischief, you're right, $1.35 million was the purchase price for uh, Ron Winchell, and lived up to it. I mean, one by nine and a half lengths, uh, was very fast in his seven furlong debut in the middle of... Uh, October at Keeneland and the future's bright. I would expect to see him in a race like the uh, Kentucky jockey club. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, when we were doing our homework a little bit and doing some research and reaching out to different trainers, you know, what two-year-olds do you have at this stage that, you know, could be Derby contenders who are your best at this stage and, and Brad Cox, you know, he has a couple that we included in the future wager. Steve Asmussen, for instance, there were two that came to mind when we talked to that camp and, one of them was Extra Anejo. And Extra Anejo, I think, is the clear one at this stage. Yes. <laughs> I, so how about this Breeders' Cup Juvenile? Yeah, let, let's talk the Breeders' Cup. because Is it a one-horse race with Cave Rock? I don't think so. And I think that's going to be the attention for a lot of people because Cave Rock is 4-5 to five on the morning line odds. So, you know, there's many people, many gamblers out there that are sort of using this race as a free space for Cave Rock. And I think he's a very impressive horse. He's done everything right to this stage for... Uh, for trainer Bob Baffert out in California. This is a different ball game shipping into Keeneland. I think we're going to get a little bit of, um, you know, horses that have been based here in the Midwest that maybe have run at Keeneland. They're going to have a little bit of a better fitness edge than horses based in California. And I say that just by watching the first couple of weeks at the Keeneland meet this fall. The track seemed a little bit deeper and more tiring. And so a horse like Forte, who's won the Breeders' Futurity at Keeneland, has been based at Keeneland for a while. I think he's just going to have a little bit of an extra fitness edge than these horses coming from California and offer a lot better value. He's four to one on the morning line, may get a little bit, you know, forgotten about if Cave Rock does get bet off of that four to uh, five morning line. And I think he's going to have a little bit of a fitness edge. And if I told you that Forte winning the Breeders' Futurity on thoroughgraphs. Thoroughgraph is a speed figure that I like to use. If I told you that Forte ran a two and three quarter 
and the lower the number, the better. And Cave Rock ran a three. Forte ran slightly faster than Cave Rock, winning uh, the Breeders' Futurity versus winning the American Pharaoh out west. Now, the race is going to go through Cave Rock. He's going to make the running. Hurricane J down on the rails, probably going to have to show some speed. I'd also think Baffert stable made um, national treasure who was, you know, he was a, a, a five and a quarter lengths back of cave rock in the American Pharaoh, but breaking from the outside post in post 10, you have that short run into the first turn at Keeneland. It's going to be, he's going to have to go as well. Now I, I don't see the two stable mates kind of, ding-donging together and taking each other out. But I think we're going to have a fast pace in this Breeders' Cup Juvenile. And to your point, Forte might get that pocket trip breaking from post four. Man, I really wanted to like National Treasure in this race. If he would have drawn anywhere towards the inside of post 10, I would have loved him. He's been working behind horses and just off of horses at Santa Anita. And so you'd have to think with that running style that maybe he's going to try and come from just off of it. He won on the lead in his debut and then, um, you know, was laying second in uh, his last start out there in the, the American Pharaoh and, and was defeated five lengths that day to cave rock, but he's chasing cave rock. And so I think, you know, he's probably trying to Baffert meaning treat, teach a source to make almost one run and relax. I've seen that in his works, and it's just a bummer because he's drawn so far to the outside, and you're right. That short run into the first turn at Keeneland is a game-changer for many horses that are drawn to the outside. It's almost, you don't want to draw a line through them, but it's you have to be much, much, much the best to win from out there. Yeah, didn't, uh, boy, wasn't it, who was the big, uh, was it uh, 2015, uh, wasn't it, uh, Nyquist yeah. that won from the outside and put his stamp on, um, on on winning the Breeders' Cup Juvenile and, of course, pulling off the, the Kentucky Derby double six months later. But if my memory is correct, he was drawn far outside. And, of course, he ended up being much the best of that crop. And, you know, maybe National Treasure is that, but uh, at this stage we'll in this field, we'll see. Uh, Curly Jack, the Iroquois winner we saw here at Churchill Downs, he's drawn to his inside. He's one of the local contenders that um, ships over to Keeneland and I would see him not having a problem being drawn that far outside because he's probably going to relax and make one run. Uh, the interesting thing that I saw was Tom Amos shipped him over to Keeneland early to get his last work in over the track over there. So, you know, as we mentioned, the pace probably being fast in this race, I think this horse at, you know, 30, 40 to one is going to be one that a lot of gamblers may use underneath on their tickets. I don't think he's quite good enough to win the race but he's definitely one that could hit the board. And hats off to Tom Amos for, for getting this horse to, to, to win uh, the Iroquois in September. Tom is a realistic trainer, and I think Tom feels the exact same way you do. He, he, he knows he needs to step up here. Um, he's not as good as the big boys, but um, if you get a fast pace, I mean, that's the thing. You look, you've got $2 million on the line. I've always said, Anytime there's a big purse on the line, these jockeys are going to make a move. Somebody's going to move too soon. Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to make that move. Be aggressive. It's always a fast pace. And, and I think you're going to get a fast pace here. Um, what about an outsider? There's one I'm intrigued by, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's in the juvenile, but I'm really intrigued by the Pletcher trained 
Lost Ark. He's a half to, and oh, by the way, if you don't like her, you don't like money. <laughs> Nest, Ugh. the favorite in the uh, Breeders' Cup distaff. This is her little brother, Lost Ark, who also um, is a half to Idol. He won going a mile and three sixteenths at Churchill Downs. Also broke the track record. Broke the track record. Also won uh, uh, the mile and a quarter uh, sanity to handicap. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, was if, it? if not, he was right there. Yeah. I, was I, that I, the express train? I forget. Yeah, it's my, my memory is losing it now. But we I know look, we don't look, talk. Look, all I, Idol, Idol could run long and fast. And uh, Lost Ark had a, uh, an intriguing trip last time out. He's, um, you know, in the Breeders' Futurity, he was beaten 10 lengths by Forte. But I think it was a, uh, I'm expecting him to, to move up a little bit of a, at a price. Yeah, and it was interesting, you know, his path to getting towards this top of a two-year-old crop at this time because he debuted at Belmont, and then typically when you see trainer Todd Pletcher horses winning on debut at Belmont, they usually go to Saratoga. And this horse actually went to Monmouth and won the sapling. And hearing Todd's comments after the sapling or even leading into the sapling, he just said, you know, he needed uh, to get a a two-turn experience under this horse's belt. And maybe it's just because he doesn't want to throw him to the wolves so early because he's a developing type of horse. And then, of course, we saw the troubled trip last time out in the Breeders' Futurity at Keeneland where he was sort of checked out of things way early into the race and you almost have to draw a line through that race. And if that race didn't exist, I mean, you're telling me that a horse that's won by a combined 13 lengths is going to be 20 to 1 in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Yeah. I mean, that's right. why I, I'm i intrigued to use him in exotics in second and third Maybe even fourth. Yeah. Or, uh, how about the champagne in New York? What do we make of the one turn champagne, which was run, um, you know, on October the first? Blazing Sevens was a a three and a quarter length winner for trainer uh, Chad Brown. You also have uh, the runner up in here, Verifying, who is uh, regally bred, a half uh, sister, or actually, I'm sorry, the older half sister is the great midnight bazoo um, verifying for trainer Brad Cox. Those horses ran one, two. How do you think they stack up? You know, it's, it's very interesting at this stage because you're always wanting horses that have the two turn experience into this breeders cup juvenile. And so this horse was ran three quarters, seven eighths and a mile by good magic who Chad Brown trained. He's out of a warrior's reward mare, which tends to always lead to sprint. And so the other son of good magic in this race that wanted two turns, though, was Curly Jack. He's by a Roman ruler mare, which leads to sprint. And the thing that I've, you know, always heard some bloodstock experts uh, using that in quotes saying about horses, you know, with a stamina type of sire, with a sprint damn sire, is see which one they resemble the most. And that's sort of what... um, was interesting hearing from the Amos camp because he re- resembles more of good magic. I haven't seen blazing sevens in person, but winning one turn in the champagne from off the pace where they didn't go awfully fast that day. They went 47, one eleven. So, you know, he, they went, you know, just an average pace and he was still able to win comfortably that day. Maybe he resembles more of that top sire, but it's one of those where as a gambler, you're going to have to say, prove it to me because I just can't unsee the Warriors reward on the bottom side, handling two turns. Well, and I can't unsee back-to-back races in the slop. Like 
you know, when you, when you're running over a sloppy track, how do you grade those? Did a horse move up because of it? Did a horse regress? Did it not matter? Um, Chad Brown, by the way, it's not like he doesn't win races in New York. Yeah. And if you notice when he won on debut, he was a lukewarm nine to two. He hasn't been bet in his next two starts. He went off at four to one. And when he won the champagne, he won at eight to one. So I don't know how good this horse is. I don't know how great that race was. These are the challenges we have to face as horse players. And I'll say with his runner up too in the champagne and verifying who uh, we know how, you know, solidly set Brad Cox is with many two-year-olds verifying has been working in the mornings here at Churchill Downs with a Philly that's in the Breeders' Cup uh, juvenile Phillies named Chop Chop. And I can tell you, Chop Chop absolutely toyed with him in the morning. Now, they were head-to-head. They were, you know, still a, a solid work. But if that says anything for Chop Chop compared to verifying, it's in the mornings, it's practice, you know, say what it is. I can, you know, sort of lean towards Chop Chop being the better of those two, and she's in a different race. These are the pieces of the puzzle we like. We, we, we like to get clues along the way to try and find out who is that fastest kid on the playground. Yeah. And you know, we may see that in the breeders cup juvenile. Do you see any of the, uh, you know, I want to say way, way outsiders. No. Her, her, okay. That's perfect. <laughs> don't even I, need to I, talk I really about don't. hurricane Jake and Gruen, uh, wound up. I, don't, I can't see, you know, any of them. No, I, 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 I can't see them. So if, if push came to shove today, you've got to, you know, I hate picking one, two, threes. No, it's right. That's it's, not realistic. As how, a horse how are you going to, how are you going to bet this race on twinspires.com? The official wagering provider of Churchill Downs incorporated in the Kentucky Derby. I'm going to use a couple of horses in the, in the horizontals. Um, and I'm going to use cave rock and forte. And I think if the wind price is, is if cave rock gets bet, like I think he's going to get bet and you can give me a decent number and I'll just say five to two, three to one, seven to two on Forte. I'm going to make a win bet, but I'm going to use both horses, you know, in the pick four and the pick fives. And I, I, I think we're too deep there. I'm worried about that lost arc. He's really going to have to jump forward though. I mean, he's not nearly as fast as those top two that we just mentioned. But Lost Ark down the road is the horse that I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him progress. I'm I'm really playing this race vertically, where you know I'm keying Forte on top, and then uh, using horses like Curly Jack underneath to really maybe you know blow things out of the the water and in the exactas and the tries. The other thing that's interesting too is so this race has a special Breeders' Cup Juvenile to Breeders' Cup Classic double. And while many people are going to just hit repeat on the Cave Rock Flight Line double, I'm going to go a little bit of a contrarian route and hit Forte. And then this is my opportunity on Saturday to hedge if anything happens to Flight Line in the Classic and then bet Life is Good Epicenter in this double because I think that would be... And you can check the will pays on that too on Twinspires.com. And so I think that's one of the areas that you're going to have to, you know, if you want to try and hedge and maybe a flight line, you know, something happens. I think that's a very good bet for uh, gamblers to take. If you're a little bit of against cave rock and hedging all your bets on Saturday on flight line. 
Okay, so the future wager for Pool 1 closes Thursday at 6 o'clock in the evening. So check the odds there. Right before first pitch of the fills. Visit KentuckyDerby.com. Click on Wager. That'll take you then to the future wager. You can get free Brisnet past performances of all 40 of the individual betting interests. Number 39 is all uh, Phillies. Number 40 is, of course, going to be your favorite at a very short price. All other Colts and Geldings from the crop of 2020. It's going to be interesting to see how uh, that first future wager ends up. Who will be the individual choices? It will close in advance of Future Stars Friday, which takes place at Keeneland. Uh, the juvenile goes Friday at 5 p.m. And uh, really looking forward to the race. Absolutely. We'll be back on Monday to recap everything and rehash it here on Inside the Kentucky Derby. Best of luck with your uh, wagers this Breeders' Cup weekend. Don't forget about that future wager. It closes Thursday at 6 o'clock. We'll see you on Monday. Yeah,